The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Good evening, and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm your ghost, ghost, <laughs> uh, your host this evening, Ed Lucy, and my guest is a well, well-known Maldonian, Mr. Goldman, Michael Goldman. Thank you, and you don't look ghostly to me at all. I don't <laughs> yeah. care what they say. Well, maybe I've been ghosted on the computer a few times, except they don't bother with it, so I don't even know that. But uh, there's a lot of interesting things going on, uh, and... Uh, Michael has taken the opportunity to, and, uh, to accept my invitation to come on tonight because of there's so much going on politically at the national level, at the, at the um, state level, and just in general that is, it, it gets a little confusing. And uh, it, when you think about what happened Tuesday in uh, in Iowa, Monday, Monday, excuse me, uh, in Monday in, in Iowa, and, and maybe the, a little explanation would be in order here for people that aren't familiar with the process. Massachusetts, when they have primaries, you go and you vote in the for uh, for candidates individually. In Iowa, you, you have caucuses, and that's that's where really the the system is altogether different. But for this time, uh, probably because of the efficiency. Or the inefficiency, depending on what happens with electronics, uh, is we're still counting the votes. Well, it's it's well. My history with Iowa goes back uh, to 1976. I was working for uh, the future president Mo Udall. You remember Mo Udall, oh, yes. President Mo Udall? Yes. Um, and the relative still in office. Yes, he, he does. He has nephew, yeah. nephew, and uh, uh, Tom from Udall, Arizona. From Arizona, and. Um, uh, Mo Udall was a very interesting character, and he was actually uh, the front runner in that race. He was the person who everyone had to beat. It was a huge field, a very weak field uh, of of relatively unknown um, House and Senate members, uh, including uh, Fred Harris, if you're from Oklahoma, oh, yeah. and uh, and a whole bunch of people that nobody knew, and and. Udall was very, very popular. With it's the, almost like this year Democrats. It is. No, <laughs> the similarities there. And um, in the uh, 1972 process, New Hampshire was the key for McGovern in his upset victory over uh, Ed Muskie. And um, um, Iowa wanted to play. And they knew they couldn't be the first primary because that was owned by New Hampshire. And so they put together this idea of a caucus. And it was a terrible idea in 1976. The number of Democrats in the state who actually participated was about 9% of all the eligible Democrats because, as, as Ed just pointed out, the, the the process of having to go and literally spend hours in a farmhouse in the middle of the winter in the cold, and then if you don't get 15%, you have to move. I mean, it was just awful. The point of the story is, in the end, uh, the person who won it was uh, uncommitted. Uncommitted. The guy who came in second was Jimmy Carter. He took that un that, that second-place finish with literally 4% of Democrats, and he became the President of the United States. And it's been a mess since that time. No one's liked it, but Iowa has been brilliant in keeping the pressure on the Democrats to stay there. I think what's going to happen, since they've wanted to get up for a while, is this won't happen again in four years because um, 
it, it, Iowa simply does not represent, rightly or wrongly, where the Democratic Party is demographically. It does not have a large number of ethnics. There are not a lot of Italians, um, Irish, which is a base of the party. It has no blacks, or virtually no blacks. has no Hispanics. Um, it's not a particularly liberal state, a progressive state. So why is that the first place that the Democrats need to go to say who's going to be the next president? New Hampshire, Ed, as you know, because you've been up there and, and campaigned up there, totally different. Even though it's a, 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 a virtually all-white state and it doesn't have a large minority population, people participate in New Hampshire. People show up at events, hundreds of thousands of people, literally. If you want to see every single presidential candidate, Republican and Democrat running in the presidential year, just drive up 93 and you can go into any living room with 8, 10, 12, 15 people. And that's what we call, in my business, retail. And why it's important is you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be like Michael Bloomberg, who's running ads in all of the states that are going to be in Super Tuesday. I got one of his letters today. Right. You, you, uh, you're the fourth person who told me he got, who got a, a piece of political literature. Right, yeah. and, and why that's different is if, if, if the first state were Super, uh, Super Tuesday, uh, Super Tuesday, then somebody like Pete Buttigieg would never have been able to rise, or Sanders four years ago, or Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter or Gary Hart, or yeah. whatever. And and uh, so you can make a case for New Hampshire between you and me and the wall. I, I, for the life of me, can't figure out why we're still going to Iowa. Well, uh, one of the factors probably when it, as, it, as, as it's in place now is the businesses that are involved with people who who come into a state as tourists of one form or another, where they come in for a day or three days, or yep. they come in as a uh, front 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 people for candidates. Point. It's the it's the commercial huge benefits money. of huge the state. No, yeah, it, yeah, it's a huge money, but it is for New, New Hampshire too. Yes, it is, and I mentioned that I saw an article the other day about the difference in room rates in in, in Omaha <laughs> during this week or the prior to a couple of weeks that normally would have. In the wintertime, you wouldn't have uh, people filling the rooms. For those of you who have never been to Iowa in the winter, it is not a pleasant experience. It is the the cold, the open space. You know, the, the joke I always tell is the first time I went to Iowa, you know, I'd been used to campaigning in New England and certainly in Massachusetts, as you will know, Malden and Malden. Ed Lucy wants to be state rep, or Ed Lucy wants to be mayor. You go, you walk up the stairs, you knock on a door. It could be a single, a double, a triple family um, house. Um, uh, but you are, um, you can go door to door. You fly, you fly out of Chicago on a small plane to get to Des Moines Airport, and, and all you see is open space and one farmhouse. Open space and one farmhouse. You can go miles between, uh, you know, uh, voters. And I looked down. I said, "How the hell are you going to do um, uh, door to door in a place like this?" Um, uh, you go to a place like Atomwa, Iowa, which is the famous fictional home of Radar O'Reilly, and it really, genuinely looks like a postcard from the late 1950s. You ride down that road, except for the automobiles. It is it is exactly what your image is of small town America sixty years ago, and um, which is lovely for the people who live there. Just not so great if you come in a campaign and and have to do uh, the business of politics. Well, maybe the, maybe this election also. There's a couple of other things involved. Um, if you're in the process yourself, you tend to think everybody's as, as interested as you are. Nobody. And, and mm -hmm. uh, whether it's it's Omaha or whether it's even um, currently in, in the other parts of the country, because this year on the caucus process in, in the state... Um, less people. It, it was a, a lot less people. And as a matter of fact, there was a, a significant drop in the number of people that watched the State of the Union speech last night, which which was be a surprise to me. Except you say, well, maybe people uh, uh, just kind of turned off by the, everything. People have made up their mind. Um, the reality is that this election is going to be decided by a hand, not only a handful of states, but a handful of 
split districts inside a handful of states. So you may very well see this race come down to 10 um, small subsets of congressional districts. Massachusetts is voting for the Democrat. <clears throat> California is voting for the Democrat. Kansas is voting for the Republican. <clears throat> Iowa is voting for the Republican. We know we're, we're, we're uh, 98%, 97% of that vote's coming from today, and nothing's going to change. So if, if, I'm a, if I'm a Democrat, why do I want to see the State of the Union? I'm not for that guy. And if the, the roles reversed, Barack Obama also had trouble pulling Republicans. Part of as you know, of being a mayor or being a, a state rep or being a governor is trying to figure out how to reach people to explain who you are, what you've done, what your vision is, how you've made the city a better place, how, you know, how you, you, the process that, you, that brought you to a conclusion that might be different than someone else's conclusion. To make that work, people have to be willing to look. And if people decide that they don't want to hear a mayor because they've predisposed that they're not voting for them, then there's nothing that the communicator can do to reach out and change uh, people's minds. And it used to be a totally different process. I, I, I will tell you a joke that I, I use all the time about how in my 50-plus years of doing this, the biggest change has been the fact that you used to be able to talk to people, whether they were Republican or Democrat, and there was a conclusion you could get to. You might be on different sides of the conclusion, but you could all agree that the conclusion was the conclusion. And there's a, 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 a joke now about uh, the, the, the teacher who comes into the classroom and, and she brings in a frog and she puts the frog down and she says to the students... Um, we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, uh, see something interesting today. And she takes out a knife and she cuts off the leg of one of the, uh, of the frog. And so the, leg has three, three, the frog has three legs. And she goes and she bangs on the table and she goes, jump. And the frog jumps. And then she goes and she moves the second leg. And she, she puts the frog down and she goes, jump. The frog jumps, takes off the third leg, jump. The frog jumps with one leg. Gets to the fourth one, takes the fourth leg off. She turns to the frog and she looks down and she says, jump. Frog doesn't jump. She says, jump. Frog doesn't jump. She goes to the students and she said, what have we learned here today? And one student raises their hand and says, when you cut off the four legs of a frog, it turns deaf. And that is the problem, that you, that, that you can take something that appears to anyone else to be self um, self-evident, in America today, you genuinely have people who look at the same set of data and come to a conclusion that the other, say, De how did you get deaf out of that? Well, for uh, Democrats, for Republicans, for those who communicate on national media and local media, we are now reaching a point where we simply will not give a mayor, a president, a senator, the ability to explain why they made a decision that they made. Well, look, they did that in the Senate, but um, you know, my take in that pro impeachment process, I think to start with, I think Nancy Pelosi, realizing what the outcome and ultimate would be, really didn't want to proceed in that direction. Was opposed to it the whole way. Yeah, and so, but within the caucus uh, of, of the party itself in the House of Representatives, there were young, high-energy high people that wanted to move forward because of their personal concerns about the way the country was going with him as president and for some of the things that happened. So she was kind of pushed along without intending to be part of it, but, but I, she was part of it because of her job. And, uh, but but now, no, I think you're absolutely right. That is exactly correct. Here's the difference. I never thought in a million years that there would be a single Democrat that wouldn't vote for the Democrats and a single Republican that wouldn't vote for the Republican. The whole goal of the Trump people was to get one Democrat to vote with the president. If they had done that, they would have had a, a much bigger victory, even if even if they, you know, they, they ended up winning, the, 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 the victory would have been more significant because the Democrats said, I'm not with the Democrats. 
Nobody, myself included, thought there was any chance that what would happen is the exact opposite, that every Democrat voted with the Democrats. I mean, I never expected Doug Jones to vote tough, with That was the toughest vote. Brutal. But he's gone. He, he is, uh, there's no question that Doug Jones basically signed away his, his, his career, and that's the way things are in politics. It's a tough business. But nobody expected, when Mitt Romney stood up today, from what I can gather, nobody knew that he was going to say, I'm going to say that he's guilty. And for, for Susan Collins, you just saw the end of her career. Mitt Romney killed Susan Collins because whether one likes Susan Collins or dislikes Susan Collins, at least people would have said, well, she was trapped because her party. She, she has that, don't have, doesn't have that excuse anymore because one of her fellow senators said, uh, no, he's guilty. Incidentally, uh, Doug Jones, uh, who uh, Michael Alabama. mentioned, he's a— won a special election as a Democrat in Alabama, replacing Jeff Sessions. Correct, the open seat for Jeff Sessions. Who was running again for senator in a <coughs> primary against the, probably two candidates who won't beat him, in which case should be probably facing, he would be facing Jeff Sessions, Sessions. who uh, ironically would be coming back into the Senate probably as a, as a Republican After. who has been insulted and humiliated and in in every possible way by the president. So it's a it's a, the nuttiest world. But the the as we talked about a little bit before, Mitt Romney suffered a horrific humiliation after the uh, the election of Donald Trump. Donald Trump, for some reason, hated or hates or always hated Mitt Romney. Probably because he's richer. Probably because he's really good. Maybe you know. Uh, or he more made than the that, money himself? Well, more than that, there's a, someone told me that a lot of it has to do, he, he used to call Mitt Romney the Boy Scout. But the last thing that he would do was look at another woman cross-eyed, you know, yeah. and the value systems that they had just seemed totally, they just oil and water. The point of the story is, is that after um, he was elected, um, Mitt Romney still wanted to humiliate um, I'm sorry, uh, Donald Trump still wanted to humiliate Mitt Romney. And the way they decided to do it was to convince Mitt Romney that the president was seriously considering him as his secretary of state. And it was a, a very elaborate um, uh, uh, scenario, and Mitt Romney bought into it and really thought why he thought it you know, it's sort of like the frog legs. How you could ever think that a guy who has just, at every opportunity, rubbed your face in the loss of 2008 would, or 2012 would honestly want to be part of that administration. But Mitt Romney, you know, was a soldier, and he met with in a very famous, uh, as you remember, a very famous dinner. And um, Donald Trump uh, just humiliated him at the dinner. And then walked away. And it was just it was it was it was. They thought that was the funniest thing. They thought that they had just you know he was a, a buffoon. You know he wasn't like them, sophisticated like them. Payback in politics is a very interesting sport. And today, in a way that I never, in a, if you had had me here last night and, I, and said to me, what are the chances that Mitt Romney would vote? On, on, on one of the articles of impeachment to impeachment, I would have said less than zero. And when he stood up today, nobody in that place had a clue. Nobody in advance, you're right, yeah. Nobody. Yeah. And, and it, was, it, it was a brilliant payback on his part. History, we were talking about this right before we went in the year. What makes this so stunning is we've had essentially – unpresidential um, impeachments, three and a half impeachments. The first one being um, the uh, Andrew uh, Johnson uh, in after Lincoln's death. The second one being um, Richard Nixon that ended up not uh, going to the, the House for impeachment. The third one being Bill Clinton, the Monica Lewinsky, and this one. In that history, not one single member of either political party has ever voted against the president of their party, ever. 
Tonight, for the first time, one Republican voted against a Republican. That is a historic uh, moment. It, there are a lot of things that happen that we think are big. This is something they'll be teaching about in 100 years. This, the, in your and my lifetime, Ed, we've had three events that I, I think will make the history books. Kennedy's assassination is one. Uh, the 9-11 uh, is, is, is the second one. And the third one was, uh, was Nixon's impeachment. Other than that, every event that's taken place in our life will be forgotten by history. And if you think I'm joking, I would remind you there, are, there probably isn't a single person watching tonight who can tell you what the Chinese Exclusionary Act was or uh, how many people died in Malden during the influenza epidemic or when the influenza epidemic was or what the worst ecological disaster in American history was, which is the 1927 flood of the Mississippi River. We don't teach it in school. It is the single bit because we just, life goes on and there are a few tiny moments that describe our nation. And believe it or not, this thing today bro broke into that category. It's, a, it's really quite momentous. No one will remember that the Iowa caucus was screwed up because no one's going to care 10 minutes from now. But this, this is a big deal. This is one. This is an incident, though. From my perspective, is that having watched the Ted Cruz's and the other right. senators that having their wives insulted, humiliated, and whatever, and the continuing to be in lockstep. And as a matter of fact, as I watched some of the speech last night, I almost thought in my own mind it was a little like when the premier of North Korea Korea. Gets up, people jumped up and down, up and down. Amazing. Clapped, constantly yeah. clapped. Yeah. And, and, and it was at the Fake. Point, it felt, un, yeah. It, it just wasn't that kind of a speech. Interesting. And uh, the other, beyond any of that, was that I think um, in this sense, this is perhaps a, a decision that was made Colored by a little bit of maybe the person's relationship with the president, uh, which was obviously very negative and toxic. But I think he was sincere in the vote. And, and, oh, I, I don't disagree. And, and I think, but that, I still, I'm still shocked that he did it. Yeah. Listen, do I think that Susan Collins, deep in her heart, knows that what he did was not only politically wrong but impeachable? I do. Do I understand why she voted not to impeach him? I do. If I were her advisor, I would have told her to do that. If I were Mitt Romney's advisor, I would have said, I know you think what he did was wrong, but stick with your party, because that's what we do. And when, you, when someone does something that is fundamentally different than what, what people like you and I would advise using good judgment, um, it, that's what makes it. It's a man bite dog. It ain't interesting when a dog bites a guy. But the Malden News is going to run a front-page story on man bite dog if we're still here. Well, beyond any of that, though, the difference is Susan Collins is in an election this November. Mitt Romney I just agree. was elected, and, and uh, the, uh, the the people of Utah, as uh, collectively, are not big supporters of no. the president. So, and he's got he's got time to. Although the, his his colleague voted uh, with the party. Mike Lee, yep. yeah, no, Mike Lee, and, and he's very conservative anyway. Mm -hmm. But 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 you know, let's take that a step further, and and it's not that Romney is going to lose his seat because he's not. It's that your calls don't get returned. The visitors who come don't get the pass to see the White House. Um, you don't get the invitation to the Christmas party. Your children uh, find out that suddenly a job that they want, the president calls up and says, I don't want you to hire the children of Mitt Romney because, because uh, he, he that stuff is going to happen starting... Tonight. Well, actually, he has a niece who is in the administration in some Right. Fashion. Well, that's his, that's his, correct, that's his, uh, she's the uh, head of the Republican uh, National Committee. She's the executive director of the Republican oh, National she, Committee. And she was critical of her uncle. But, yeah. but remember, when she ran for that job, she ran as Rhonda Romney, uh, I forget, McDougal, McDowell, something, I don't really apologize for not remembering her last name. When, she, when, when Trump became president, he made her drop the Romney from her title. Oh. 
Did you didn't know that, did no, you? No, she's been she hasn't had used the Romney for for three years okay. because the president. The point is, your uh, your your Romney's grandson's going over to do his uh, his mission. time mission and whatever. Years old or whatever, yeah. right? And so when you're the uh, grandson and these are the grandsons now of his. Um, uh, you 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 arrive in Tanzania, right? And you know what the first thing they do is they go to the American consulate in Tanzania. R- Romney has taken care to protect them. They know where he is or she is the whole time that they're there. They're watching out for them. If they get a problem, have an issue, whatever, you can go to the American embassy and and they know who you are. I guarantee you that everyone will get a notice saying. Do nothing for anyone with the last name of Ron. So there's a he's going to pay a price. Don't yeah. don't kid yourself. It's going to be tough and ugly. And well, well, well Romney himself, he did his missionary in France, I think, when he right. was nineteen. They didn't speak French, so that's, that's you know they say that the missionaries, um, excuse me, the Mormons make the best salesmen because of, when you're nineteen years old and and you you do that a year and a half or whatever it is in, in, a, in a strange culture and a strange language and oftentimes obviously another country. Yep. If you can take the re- the rejections from that, try to save souls, and you can sell anything when you come back to America. And and it, it there, the first time, how many uh, Mormons uh, did you know growing up in our area? I had a teacher. You had one, but he was a graduate student who was come as a practice teacher. I knew none. I'd never met a Mormon. Why would I meet a Mormon? Everybody is Catholic, or everybody is Jewish, or everybody is Protestant. I mean, you know, not that denomination. Well, no days with your with your age, Michael, you might have met several of his wives. If that's correct. That. There you go. Back <laughs> in the day, that's all. That the funny thing is, is that all I knew about Mormons was that they had come from a polygamous culture that had. Had forsworn that as as the price for statehood, you know. Yeah. You know, he he basically uh, Brigham Young had a vision and it said, "Guess what? No more polygamy." Done. Um, but but uh, the truth is is that there was a question about uh, whether George Romney, who ran for president in 1964 and in 68, whether he was officially born in the United States because he was, he was he born in Mexico. He was born in because he is that's his. He had a, a number of his father had a number of uh, of, of wives and Mexico allowed polygamy. And the 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 the, the, the bigger question is that. Um, uh, there's been a huge change. Uh, Mo, Mo Udall, who was my candidate for president, he was, was a, Mormon. a Mormon, right? And a very liberal Mormon, by the way. Not exactly like a lot of, I mean, you know, to the to the left of the Mormon Church. But there was still this. He was a very interesting guy and a very religious guy and a guy, you know, who genuinely believed um, that America was the Holy Land, that Jesus had come to America when he was alive, had buried the, the essentially the tablets that, that uh, Smith had found. That no Brooks found? And this was, this, was, this was meant to be the real Jerusalem. And um, there are a lot of Americans today who honestly look back and say this is the greatest country that ever was. This is you know, God's gift to the world is America. So how crazy is it? It's kind of interesting how the, well, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, yeah, I, you know, so it, it's fascinating stuff. It really yeah, is. But, yeah. but I, I will say this to you. Uh, I've been debating going back and forth as to whether I'm going to send $20 to Mitt Romney's campaign. Just to sort of, you know, but it would be my first contribution to a Republican, so it's very hard. But I may actually, I'm, I'm actually leaning toward, because I do think that, I, I don't know whether I would have the political courage to do it. I really don't. I, I don't know whether, you know, I could look at my other colleagues. He has to know that he's made life just miserable for for Susan Collins and for, uh, for um, uh, a couple of the other guys who are on the on the the edge of Joe uh, Ernst in, in Iowa, um, even Portman in, in yeah. In, uh, I'm, I'm Ohio. Su- I was a little surprised him because I think he's kind of a stand up guy that, uh, and I thought maybe there'd be more reasons why he might rationalize and analyze it and, and say no, I can't, I can't vote. He's no. not going to win anyway. So what? The, you know why? Yeah, how long, I, and, and how long can I stay here? But right. but. Uh, 
it was also a little bit of a surprise because that senator, the Democratic senator from West Virginia, he kind of changed. He, he allowed, as I was coming here today, I heard somebody say that Manchin and um, uh, a woman senator whose name jumps out of my head right now, oh, uh, from Arizona, the one that took uh, that took McCain's seat. Yeah, but she's a Republican. No, no, she's Democrat. Oh, that's right, special right. election. Demo- special yeah. election. Yeah. And there was a third one. They were thinking as a group of voting, you know, with Trump. Right. And his going against Trump moved all three of them back into the Democratic. Yeah. Yeah. He he gave them cover and really exposed Republicans. Again, a, a fascinating, fascinating time. Um, you know, your political career, which is, you know, 60 years of whatever, I, 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 I would assume that you could honestly say that um, that you've never had a moment like that where somebody stood up and did something that was so totally um, outside of what you perceive to be the political safety zone. I mean, politicians tend to be careful. Practical. Practical, as we like to say. Politically expedient. Now, having yes. said all of that, yes. and, and um, um, getting, uh, if you were going to look at the Democratic lineup of, of prospective people in, that are now in New Hampshire campaigning, all of them in their own way have baggage. Yes. And that, which is not unusual in, in politics, but in this particular instance, if you go, you go to, from the beginning, whether it's the senator from Vermont. Right. Very, very liberal. Uh, Senator Warren, she has strengths and weaknesses. And and Joe, uh, the very fact that uh, Biden finished a week fourth, he was helped a a little bit, which has been kind to him because in its own way, the the screw-up in... in Helped him hugely. Been a big difference. And also Amy Klobuchar helped her too because... You know, she finished fifth, but she it doesn't seem as bad because of the screw up. Right, and and in her case, though, she's close to Biden, so she's she ma- seems to be making some progress <clears throat> in her own way. And when you think that maybe at this point the the, the big surprise out of there is is the mayor from Gary, Indiana, who no. uh, doesn't no. fit the profile of someone who a was former a, former client of mine, Richard Hatcher, was the mayor of Gary, from that's from right, the uh, mayor, the mayor from uh, the the uh, from. Uh, where Notre Dame is, South Bend, so, Indiana. South Bend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you found you found poor Gary Hatcher, who yeah. who was back in the day. You're absolutely right. Was yeah, that? and and um, so uh, I almost think that uh, it, it, you know Tom Spire, he's spending as much money as Blumenthal. Bloomberg. Bloomberg. Yeah, Close and uh, it, it ends up that uh, um, he. he he gets on there without the without the you know the jackets on and all, and yet you say, well, he's 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 got some voter identity now. But we could, well, he bought it. He bought his way in. You yeah. can do that. He didn't do it as as well or as quickly as Bloomberg did. And yeah. Bloomberg has put together a massive operation. I've never seen in my fifty plus years of presidential. I've never seen anything like his operation. He's paying people big bucks. He's guaranteed the money through November. Uh, he's in. He's he's in second place in Michigan and three of the other Super Tuesday states because he's the only one on TV. They don't know who Buttigieg is because Buttigieg has been in 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 uh, in, uh, in Iowa, and and he is just slicing his way into the fight. Um, uh, normally, one would say, and I'm going to say this: I I as you. you no, Ed. I worked for uh, Michael Bloomberg and his uh, news operation for three years in New York. I, I had a radio show in New York City. Hope you bought a stock. Uh, I wish I had. <laughs> um, I, I have to say that I met him one time. The day we got hired, he hired us, and then two days later, he announced for mayor of New York. I never saw him again <laughs> in the entire time I was there. Should have gone to visit his mother in right. Method. In Method, yeah. right, as we like to say. The, the interesting thing about Bloomberg is – we, if you were to, if you were to have Michael Dukakis sitting here with you today, and said to him, Michael, what was the number one question you were asked when you ran for president in 1988? The answer to the question was, "So you're Greek? What's Greek?" People around the country don't know Greek people. Greeks live on the coasts, so we know Greek people because we come from on the coast. Um, 
the the uh, there is a great story that I tell about um, uh, Wash University, Wash, Washington University in St. Louis, which is a very liberal university with a fairly significant amount of Jewish students, about ten percent Jewish students at WashU. And when um, I was working for Dukakis back then, and we went out about an hour and a half out of. St. Louis, and we're in the town, and we're with somebody, and somebody said, what's your name? And I said, Michael Goldman. And he said, fine. And then over there, he says, well, what's, what's Goldman anyway? And I said, what do you, he said, you know, what, what is it? And I said, well, it's a Jewish name. He said, I've never met a Jew. He lives an hour and a half from a giant university with 10% of the student money. But he just, there's nothing in his life that would have bumped him into someone who was Jewish. And, you know, and one of the things he said is, is, is a, and again, it's a true story. I've told it before. He asked, do you guys have Italians? I want to meet an Italian because I want to ask him about uh, organized crime. I want to talk about <laughs> You know, it sounds like a joke, but it, 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 and he was as sweet and sincere a guy. Now, I always say to people when I go out, I always say, can a Catholic be elected president? And people laugh. And I said, no, seriously, can a Catholic be elected president? And they, they sort of look and they say, well, Kennedy was a Catholic? And I'd say, that's right. When did he get elected? 60 years ago. You're telling me that in 60 years... There hasn't been a single American Catholic that either the Republican or the Democratic Party thought was worthy of even nomination to the presidency 60 years later, Ed? Now, we don't think about that sort of division in the country because, you know, we had the one person, just like we had the one black person. At some point, you're going to have a, a woman. At some point, you know. And the question really is, on Buttigieg, is he's Catholic, but he's gay, his huge Notre Dame family, big, you know, whatever, and that's what made his coming out so difficult for his, you know, family because for many, many Catholics, that's still a very difficult place to be. And um, is America ready to make a judgment on this guy, good or bad, based on who he is, or are they going to say, I don't want to have a gay person be the be the president? Well, that's his... That seems to be an issue with the with the black vote, which is a significant part of the Absolutely. Party. And it's also a, a thing for Bloomberg. Do you really want, if you come from a place, if you were to say to somebody who really didn't know a lot about, um, didn't live in a community where there was a Jewish population, went to school with somebody, a friend of yours, whatever, you'd say, well, you know Jews, they're, 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 uh, they're rich, Bloomberg's rich, they're... they're uh, Pro-choice, Bloomberg's pro-choice. They're they're pro-gay rights, Bloomberg's pro-gay rights. They're uh, they're anti-gun. Bloomberg runs the biggest anti-gun group around. Um, um, uh, and then the question is 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 and they're from New York City, which is New York City, you know, the coasts, all that stuff. You would think he would have no chance at all. He's doing. Much better than I thought he would do, given all of those potential pieces of his. But they haven't gone negative yet. But all of those things are things that that, that Democrats have got to think about before they choose him. But here's the hook: the one issue which is devastating is not that he's pro-choice, not that he's pro-gay, not that he's anti-gun, not that he comes from New York City, not that he's Jewish. He opposed supersizing drinks and fries at the McDonald's in New York City. He, they passed a law which did not allow them to supersize. Why? Because the health officials said the worst thing you can do is drink a gallon of, you know. But for a lot of people, that's, that's government really reaching into a personal private area. What's, what is government doing talking about whether I should have a big fry or not? And believe it or not, you'll hear it here first. That will come back. If he, if he rises as he appears to be and becomes viable, you will see Trump every time he talks say he didn't, want, he didn't trust you to make a decision on the French fries or the soda you were going to drink. Do you really want a president? Who's, and this, these are the kinds of things, as you say, every candidate comes with strengths and weaknesses. Well, do you think or would you think, based on all that's going on now, that ultimately, whoever's going to get the nomination for the Democratic Party is not someone who's going to show up out of the uh, now uh, or in the near future, but it's got to it'll end up being someone 
in that group or that pool of fifteen to twenty people that are either yeah, I, I, organized I, running or they're they're in the you, in their I, you know it's a very interesting thing. Ninety nine percent of the time, I would say yes to that. But but let's take Amy Klobuchar, who at the start of the race, even though I'd never met her, she was in my top tier. Right, she's a former prosecutor. Her parents were blue collar people, teachers. Uh, she worked her way up, became a, you know, again, she, she became attorney general and then went to the United Senate, had a great record in the Senate. She's center center on most issues. I mean, she's, she's a Democrat, so she's pro, you know, women's rights and pro gay. But in terms, th there's no way you could make her out to be Bernie Sanders or even Elizabeth Warren. But then the story came out about the way she treated her staff and that she had eaten a salad with a comb. And it took her and almost destroyed her campaign. The fact that she's still alive is a testament to her tenacity. Uh, but if you're a Democrat and you're looking at... But she's at also recently had the issue of the 16-year-old black go. girl who was a, Everyone, got a life sentence. Yep. Yeah. Every, it, like you said, everybody comes with baggage. Yeah. There is... There, the 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 uh, to deviate just for a second, I love to tell people that that the that the Old Testament was uh, a ripoff of uh, Greek mythology, and when they went from having multiple gods to having one god, they had to be able to tell people how to behave and what was right or wrong, and the way cleverly the Old Testament did it was it gave us biblical heroes, but they gave every one of them. An Achilles heel. So King Saul was brave, but he was a drunk. Solomon was wise, but he had 15 wives. He's avaricious. Uh, David. Uh, David, well, we'll get to him in a second. Uh, Moses smashed the tablets. He couldn't go into the, the Holy Land. Um, I, Abraham I said that was a 20,000 year old man, didn't yeah, yeah. it? And, 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 and uh, my, uh, Abraham was married to Sarah. And because they needed to get across the uh, the uh, uh, Hebron uh, plains, he gave his wife as a concubine, told him it was his sister, that his wife was his sister, so that they could pass safely. A little tough stuff in 2020. Yeah. But my point is, the, the, but the greatest hero of the Bible by far is King David. King David uh, killed Goliath when he was a teenager. He wrote the Song of Songs, pretty damn interesting stuff even today. He rebuilt the temple that had been destroyed, and he took the 13 tribes of Israel and brought them together the way no one has ever had been able to do it before or since. He also sent Bathsheba's husband to be killed because she wouldn't sleep with him until he was dead. Now, he felt badly. He says, oh, I really, it was really a terrible thing to do. The point is, is there's a humanism, and a, a, nobody in the, in the Bible is God. Only God is God. So when we look at presidential candidates, whether it's, it's Barack Obama, uh, if you remember that famous terrible comment he made about people in love with their guns and they can't, uh, remember that whole big uh, the, the thing with the minister, he, he, uh, the, that they, it almost destroyed his campaign, and... Um, everyone comes with, 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 with baggage. It's just the way it is. And the question is, in the end, you as a voter make a decision. Who's best for me? Who's best for me? Well, that gets you back to where we're at now, and that is that even Tom Spire, who is now, again, spending tons and tons of money to get name recognition and get nominated, is it ultimately it'll come down to the economy. It always right. does. And yep. if that's the case, considering where the country is with the economics, of the, on the surface at least, it would appear that uh, aside from the fact that apparently after all this came up with the um, impeachment, tr President Trump's standing in terms of popularity is the highest it's been since he took office. Except, in, no, not perceived that you, you fell for the same thing. His his popularity still remains at forty two percent. It was forty nine. They said today his job performance. Okay, that's a huge difference between job performance and personal popularity. You could think someone's doing a good job and not like them. Kevin White had that problem when he was mayor of Boston. He was always underwater when he got elected. He people people thought he did a good job, but they didn't particularly like him. 
The problem here is when Clinton was being impeached, after his trial, he was at 70% per, per, personal popularity. He still can't break 50, and he ain't going to get any better. Trump is going to get weaker, not stronger. And he also has to worry, as we all do, um, that things are going to go bad with the economy. Remember, the, the key to what Trump is doing brilliantly, I might add, is he's basically saying to Ed Lucy and to all of the viewers, here's $100, go spend $100. Next week you come in, he says, here's $100, go spend $100. Here's a hundred dollars. Go spend a hundred dollars. Here's a, the end of four weeks. He's giving you four hundred bucks. You're feeling damn good. I'm getting four hundred dollars. This is pretty good. What he's not telling you is, every time he gives you a hundred dollars, the budget's losing a hundred dollars, and the deficit of the country is worse percentage-wise than during the Great Depression. He believes he can play it out until November of 2020, but at some point. The bill comes due. You cannot go in and have oil coming into your house and not be paying the oil man. And the the brilliance of what he's been able to do is people don't seem to understand that he's playing with, with house money um, uh, in terms of uh, of where we had our budget was. Well, he, he, of course, the rationale when he made the tax uh, program with tax cut was that, that the generating all that money to, into the economy is going to result in not only uh, uh, performances that are, that are big pluses for the economy, but it's also create jobs Absolutely. and also help the gov governor's budget. In, in reality, it hasn't worked that way. The, the, it's been a disaster. Everyone yeah, said it was going to be a disaster. And the, um, the deficit on an annual basis now is a trillion dollars, and it's I think growing three three trillion since he took office, and and the projection is it's going to be a, tr a trillion every and, year and, for the next ten years. And here's another thing that, as mayor of Malden, you could have said, um, uh, "I'm going to don't uh, give, okay. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no." But I'm saying <laughs> you could have said uh, something like, "I'm going to give raises to every single fireman, policeman, teacher, public employee." I'm increasing their salaries. Somebody says, how are you going to pay for that? And you say, don't worry about that. I'm going to increase the salaries for teachers. It's, again, the bill comes due, whether that bill is for your, for, your, uh, for your oil or whether that bill is for your, what it costs you to run a government. Or whether, and you have to have resources to match up. And um, we saw that happen. Uh, in 2007, um, Marblehead, where I live now, 50%, five... Any Jewish oh, people in Marblehead? Uh, one. One. Me. <laughs> um, 50% of the houses in Marblehead, after the collapse of the economy, were what we call underwater. The value that people paid for the houses was less than the value they would have got if they sold them. Now, what happened, of course, is lots of people didn't have to sell their house. So the only people who got killed were the people who suddenly found themselves near retirement or right after retirement suddenly needing it. Then the house that they thought was going to be their nest egg <laughs> turned out to be a nightmare. Well, they, because, they lost their job. Or they, or they lost their job, and that also cost them. And right now, Marblehead obviously has turned around over the last 11, 12 years, but it was brutal. And now we're not talking about a poor community. And when we're talking about Marblehead, we're talking about a fairly well-off What was it like in Malden? And what was it like in Everett? And what was it like in... Ch if Marblehead was underwater, then what was it like in, 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 in other places? And that, that's what killed... That's why we got a black president. Because the truth was people blamed George W. Bush for the fact that they thought they had money put away in their 401ks, and suddenly what seemed like a lot turned out to be nothing because ultimately, you know, the piper gets paid. Yeah. There is a parallel place currently, and, 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 and as, just to give you a quick extension of that, years ago when I was very active with the Lucy Insurance here in Malden, the people would come in the office, and in those days uh, you'd need a binder if you 
rewrote your mortgage right, or you bought a house, you had to prove that you had insurance you on the property. You don't do that anymore? I didn't know that. Well, well if they are, uh, I'm not tuning in. They, yeah. they have a different way of doing it now. But, then, but the thing was interesting. People would come into the office, and that goes back to around 2000, and um, they would wind up and say, I'm refinance my house. Right. And the reason they were refinancing their house was because they were going to pay off their credit card. Exactly. Cause they and were what they did was... And that was because, and and this the other the motivator was that the current interest at that time was lower than the uh, mortgage Correct. amount they they had when they bought the house. Some of those same people came back a year later or a little after that, and the, the rates again had gone down. They had come in and they refinanced again. And what did they need the money for? They need the money to pay off their credit cards because That's even it. though they dis they weren't disciplined to do what they should have been doing, and then in two two thousand and seven, all of a sudden it's there were more houses on the market, and there were people's jobs were in jeopardy, and all of a sudden, once you got more of the, more of a product than the, than the public wants, all of a sudden the values and are upside down, and there are there are potentially things going on today because Absolutely. the banks are still doing well. And the focus, even as though there are people buying houses, there are a lot of people that are refinancing, and that's where the banks are making the money, not on the financing new home purchases, but on the refinancing. You know, there's a, an old joke, political joke, about the guy who falls off of the 20th floor of a building, and as he goes by each set of windows, the people hear him say, so far, so good, so far, so good, so far, so good. Trump is betting. Trump's a betting man. And he's betting that the economy will hold until November. And after that, he doesn't care. Like King now, Louis? Like King Louis. <laughs> uh, laugh, you know, I mean, you remember how awful it was. Listen, you only have to look at the, the unluckiest man in American political history was poor, poor Herbert Hoover. In the 1920s, the economy bloated out. It was 1927 was the best year financially in the history of the, of the country. People made money. There was money everywhere. We had the Great Flood of 1927, 28. Um, um, well, you had uh, the molasses in 1990. No, no. The And he decides he's not going to run for re-election. And poor Herbert Hoover gets tagged. And, of course, in October of 1929, the whole economy, economy crashes in on itself. So we call the places where people lived when they lost their houses Hoovervilles. It should have been Coolidgevilles. What the hell did Hoover have to do with it? He was only in for 20 minutes before the whole thing fell apart. The same, at least George W. Bush understood that he was there seven years. So what happened in 2007, 2008 was on him. See, But, but again, uh, as you point out, people forget that, eco that, that, that economics is hard, that, that, that balancing a budget is hard, that saving for the future is, is, is not easy. And um, maybe that's a weakness of us as a country, that we've done such a poor job in helping people understand how important it is to think about, do you really want to pay a 18% VIG on a pair of sneakers that you're buying for with your credit card? And, and again, if I ask the people who are watching tonight, go to the computer and put in the number um, $400. Half of the people in the United States of America in 2020, the best economic time in, in decades, do not have $400 in cash, free cash to pay for an emergency. They've got a credit card. They can put it on the credit card. But 50% of Americans don't have $400 to pay for a new set of tires if they need it to in cash. And that's in the best economic time. What do we do when the reality of the economy hits? You did in 07. I did in 07. I have, anyway. uh, give you a change of pace there. I have a, a, a public announcement I wanted to oh, get in before the end of the show. And this was given to me by Scott, who works at the Malden Post Office. He's uh, one, of the, one of the people that deals with you when you go in there to, to do whatever you have to do with the post office, rather than just dropping the letters in the mailbox. 
But uh, there's an open house on a Saturday be- um, between 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. and it's a job. It's a job. Van oh, really? Job in, in the post office, and, and they're hiring. It's amazing with the post office. They hiring. They're hiring carrier positions. Those are people that deliver the mails to the houses. There's a number of requirements. You must have a valid state driver's license and a good driving record. You must have two years driving experience. You may be required to work any day of the week, including Saturdays, Sundays, and holidays as scheduled. And uh, there's also, uh, uh, you can get more detail. I think, I think I couldn't get this clarification today. I think you also have to ha- have a high school education. But um, there's, there's a, um, if you will uh, look on the computer for www.usps.com slash careers, and look that up under the post office. And like I said, it's it's from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And um, my understanding is it, it, with, it's a probationary job. You have to – there's a time frame before you get on permanent, which is, I think, a year. Um, so if you're I, young and you're looking for – and you don't want to go to college and you're looking for a job that's going to give you security, we're always going to have mail. Uh, even if we have computers, yeah. we have, it, it – when I was growing up, if you could get into the post office, you died and went to heaven. Right, and and the interesting thing is, statistically, the the people that take these positions that that are on a pro, you know, like a you're not probationary. temporary, but your probationary period, you know, I think, is a year, and there uh, it's a pays uh, above fifteen dollars an hour. Uh, which isn't huge, but when you think that's the starter, and for people that are work hard and aggressive, and if you like working outdoors, or you enjoy being outdoors, and you, you get exercises at the same time, and there's the long range, the, the, the benefits, the good retirement, the health insurance, Terrific. And, uh, uh, and like Michael just said, that they, the post office still delivers the mail despite of computers and, and different ways of reaching out the, the communication to post office. And they're getting better because they're competing with Amazon. They need to know they have to do exactly. more. And, and, and you get to follow in the tradition of the probably America's greatest human invention, Benjamin Franklin, who created the post office for this country. Ooh, Uncle Ben or whatever. Uncle Ben. Yeah. No, he did the rice. Uncle Ben. No. Uh, None of that. Interesting. One quick note too. We had an election yesterday in Malden. Oh, you're kidding? Yeah, did I win? I just. I, uh, I want to thank uh, everyone who voted uh, for just, me. Just basically the uh, the it was only one precinct and uh, <laughs> there were three candidates. Someone from Malden who was a former resident of Melrose who was uh, on the Human Rights Commission, a city councilor from Melrose, and someone who's been very active up in Wakefield and the candidate who's the city councilor from Melrose, won the election. Six percent of the people, there was only one precinct in Malden that was involved, which is Forestdale, and six uh, percent of the people voted. But the, the winner was uh, Kate Lipper uh, Garabedian. Anyway, and anyway, she's a... Uh, and what is the job? State rep. Oh, the state rep. Replacing Paul... Uh, oh, uh, Dolan. Dolan. No, no, no. no. Yeah, right. Uh, right. Paul uh, Broder. Bro- Paul Broder. And uh, anyway, all that's three interesting that, 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 that there's a precinct in Malden that's in that. Oh. Well, that's an interesting story, and I maybe have to, your have fault. To, not no, my, okay. definitely not mine because okay. of the, the history. But I, I appreciate you coming, Michael. Oh, it's and a pleasure. I'm delighted that we had a chance to uh, touch base on a lot of these things. We also always have, look forward uh, to it. Uh, a chance sometimes to rehash what we've said tonight and review it uh, later date. We'll see how much. Uh, you, I have a sign here, and uh, for those, of, the great Ed has spoken, and probably what people will say, yeah, and he's wrong again because I predicted that uh, I didn't think Brady's going to be coming back to the to the to the Patriots. Yeah, is he? Well, everybody seems to think so, other than me. And but in any way, Mookie Best ain't coming back to the. Coming through that door. I, as, uh, I, 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 I will, the last thing I will say to you, and, and I don't want to be mean-spirited in any way, but it's hard for me to feel badly for a guy who's going to make $862 billion for the next 22 years. Well, I love Mookie Betts, but yeah. he ain't exactly doesn't need my tears of yeah, yeah. wool. Incidentally, one of the criteria for, to me, in my view, about the quality of a player is that uh, the hitting in the clutches. And I think this year here, as good as he was, and he wasn't quite as good this year as he was last year, and he wasn't great the year before that, but that uh, 
uh, he ended up uh, batting about 275, I think, with really in clutch? people in, in running in scoring position. So, anyway, is that uh, him waving us goodbye? Yeah, well, it's it is the end of the hour. Okay, well, it's yeah. great to see you. Yeah, thank you so yeah. much for inviting me. And before we leave, I'll talk to you about that uh, item that I didn't want to give on camera. You got it. <laughs> All right.